and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Balanzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Friday we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. Today, I'm once again joined by our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew, and uh, what a time to be an economist, so much news. Yeah, good morning, Craig. There's no end of excitement these days. Last week, Matthew, we touched on the July budget with the Treasurer, uh, Treasury rather revealing that the Delicate Fiscal and Monetary Balancing Act continues to be undertaken in an attempt to stem the assault on our economy that's currently underway from COVID-19. This week, our Prime Minister said the economic numbers were quickly being outdated based on the way the pandemic was impacting the nation, particularly the virtual lockdown now in place in Melbourne and Sydney, and also Queensland recently shutting its borders. His comments came on the back of news that deflation has started to rear its head again in Australia for the first time in 22 years, with the latest quarter-on-quarter print. Matthew, before we get, we get into the AFR's deflation claim on Thursday, let's start by understanding where our inflation ninja currently sits with the release this week of those Q2 inflation figures. Matthew, can you break down for us the latest data? Was it within expectations? And why were so many economists and investors so keen to see this latest figures? Well, Craig, um, it, it was largely within uh, expectations. QIC and the market had been expecting uh, inflation to fall uh, by 2% on the quarter. It fell by 1.9%, so pretty close to what we were thinking. Uh, and as you said, you know, that's a, a really outsized fall. In fact, that quarterly number is the largest uh, fall in inflation in the 72-year history of the CPI. You know, the annual rate, as you said, was also down by 03 which is one of the very few times um, post-war that we've seen a negative annual print of inflation. Uh, the key factors driving inflation lower were the provision of uh, free childcare and the provision of free primary uh, school education in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, which combined contributed uh, minus 1.3 percentage points to inflation. Uh, also, the fall in petrol prices, of, uh, which was a 19% fall in, in uh, Bowser prices, also contributed uh, uh, a, a fall of 0.6 percentage points to the headline inflation rate. But without these uh, largely one-off factors, the CPI would have still been weak, but actually would have risen by 0.1% and would have risen annually by 1.8%. Uh, so the impact of these one-off hits to inflation, they also picked up by the core measure inflation, which was flat uh, over the quarter and up by 1.3% over the year. However, um, shifts in demand and supply constraints due to COVID led prices uh, higher in some categories. Panic buying earlier in the COVID outbreak lifted prices of household items such as cleaning and maintenance products, which went up by 6.2%, and toilet paper, uh, which also went up by 4.5%. Work from home and lockdowns also lifted prices for home furnishings by 3.8%. Uh, and audiovisual and computing equipment by 1.8%, and also uh, home appliances are up by 3% as we hunkered down uh, for the uh, duration of, of the lockdown. Matthew, the CBA's Gareth Aird was quoted this week as saying that core inflation is expected to sit below the RBA's target for the next couple of years. What is your what is your inflation outlook for the next 18 months? And as we start to become increasingly accustomed to living as a nation dealing with COVID-19, how do you see that uh, forming in the foreseeable future? 
Well, Craig, as, as those one-off factors of free childcare drop out and as oil prices and hence petrol prices stabilise, we expect to see a rebound in inflation in the, in the September quarter. QICs and consensus forecasts for the September quarter, for example, are for a 1.3% quarterly increase in inflation, which would lift the annual inflation rate back into positive territory of around about uh, 0.4%, maybe at a touch, maybe 0.5%, which is very low, but more of a statistical quirk due to the persistent impact of low June quarter outturn on the annual inflation rate. In fact, we continue to see the annual rate of inflation remaining low over the remainder of 2020 and into the first quarter of 2021 at around about 0.5% at best, notwithstanding that the quarterly growth rate will remain positive and around about 0.4% over the same time period. However, we will see a jump in inflation above 2% on an annual basis in the June quarter of 2021 as the lowball number of the June quarter just passed drops out of the annual calculation. But more generally, when we look beyond these statistical quirks, we doubt that over the next two years, the economy can sustain an inflation rate within the target of the RBA, which of course is between two and 3%. And we expect inflation will hover below 2% through the second half of 2021. Certainly the risk of an inflation outbreak does not concern us over the next two years. From the supply side, high unemployment rates are leading to very low and falling wage growth, and excess business capacity also limits the extent to which businesses can raise margins, keeping sales price growth low as well. So I think that for a period of, of time, at least until we get a, a vaccine that takes us out of this COVID world, we're in for quite a low inflation environment. Thanks, Matthew. And the, really one of the key points I took out of that is that we should expect some volatility in those inflation prints going forward. So one for us to remind ourselves in the future. Uh, with the headline inflation falling to minus 0.3%, as you mentioned earlier, we now find ourselves recording annual deflation for the first time since March 1998. And the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, said the deflation readings showed the economy was struggling. Matthew, what are the risks of persistent deflation to the economy and the financial markets? Well, let's start with the economy first. So when you've got falling prices, um, the risk that that generates to the economy is the impact it has on uh, consumer spending and investment spending by businesses. So simply speaking, if, if consumers, if households are anticipating falling prices, they're more likely to hold off on their spending um, in the event that, you know, they can buy the uh, commodity or the good that they're thinking of buying at a cheaper price down the track. So it tends to pump up the rate of savings and, and reduce uh, the uh, rate of uh, consumer spending. Similarly, businesses who are faced with falling prices of their uh, sales and also falling prices of capital goods will tend to hold off on investment expenditure uh, until, you know, deflation uh, either stabilises or, or reverses. So it tends to be quite negative for uh, spending both by the household sector and by businesses. On top of that, it tends to offset the power of fiscal policy. So, you know, if you look at the typical stimulus packages that governments put out in the form of tax cuts or handouts like we have with the income support program that we've got at the moment, if 
households are expecting falling deflation, they will tend to save more of those handouts rather than spend them. Therefore, the stimulus impact uh, of those policies is diminished. Similarly, um, policies that attempt to improve profitability of the uh, of, of businesses or attempt to support capital expenditure tend to be weakened uh, by the fact that uh, businesses are not going to spend and they'll tend to pay out rather than reinvest any benefits they get from uh, depreciation allowances or from corporate tax cuts. So deflation can actually be quite a pernicious problem to the real economy, uh, particularly if it becomes expected. For financial markets, deflation is terrible news for risk assets. On the one hand, the cash flows to those assets are declining as, as deflation takes hold. But also, with interest rates as they currently are, nominal interest rates at the lower bound, lower inflation rates, or deflation, I should say, tends to raise the real cost of capital and the real discount on earnings. So that undermines valuations of risk assets. So equities tend to suffer, as do other forms of uh, assets associated with any uh, form of uh, risk. It tends to be positive, on the other hand, for bonds, uh, classic safe haven flows, because deflation is typically correlated with weak economic growth. Uh, And it's also good for other safe haven assets, uh, such as gold and cash. Thanks, Matthew. I think really then to one of the takeaways from that little area there is that we should be really keeping a close eye on those consumer confidence numbers. Uh, But in addition, it really does reinforce the message you've been saying the last few weeks, which is there is some leakage issues with the current fiscal response. Matthew, thanks once again for your time and perspective. It just goes to show how unique this environment is proving to be for us all. And with the reports overnight of a new phase of the virus forming in Europe and Hong Kong, The US and the emerging markets continue to struggle with what's arguably still the first wave. And now Australia recording its worst day yesterday, the need to continue to evolve and target our fiscal response alongside our monetary measures seems a necessity. Thank you for listening to us on QPod today. Please watch out for Monday's Market Moments podcast and have a super weekend ahead.